Welcome everyone to the next podcast. This is your humble servant, Reverend D. Todd Sloggett. I am on the third floor of the HMA Ministries headquarters building in downtown Sepulpa, Oklahoma, right here on the wrong side of the tracks. Um, Rustic Furniture Saving Place is below me. HMA Ministries new ministry building we're about to start uh, developing is across the street from me. Caddy Corner from me is the local bar, Torchy's Bar. And between me and the bar is uh, the railroad tracks. So uh, if a train goes by, you'll hear some silence, or you may, I may just let you hear the train. I have a new microphone my wife got me for Christmas, podcast mic, so I'm able to mute it. So if there's some seconds of silence and I haven't prayed and said amen yet, just hold on, we may be letting a train or a truck or something go by. In the meantime, uh, I just want to thank everyone that's been listening. Had some visitors here at the headquarters today from trying to remember where they were from, Indiana and uh, Pennsylvania, I think, somewhere. Anyway, had some, some more visitors. Have visitors here just every, every two or three days. These were some Bible students uh, checking in on some ministry things that we talked about and worked with them on in the past and they wanted to see the headquarters and just had a few minutes we're in this area <clears throat> so i'm going to turn the corner here and start ramping some other things up i've been talking about it the last three or four podcasts and we're finally there and we're going to do it now finally getting back into some of those pockets of questions that are being asked us still getting many many questions got some more today and yesterday and uh, just just trying to get to as many as we can. Um, I've I've had a, a group of questions. They didn't come in particularly and specifically in a group, but they. I'm turning my mic here because I think I just realized it's directional. Cool. <laughs> um, different people from different parts of the country, different age groups sending in same and similar questions, which I like because I can uh, answer a bunch of people's questions at once. I'm I'm hearing a lot about leadership, leadership skills, and leadership ability. What does the Bible say about leadership? What kind of leadership should we have? Um, uh, To be fair, a lot of it is complaints about their local leadership, which I can't do anything at all about that, but pray for you. But I do want to talk about uh, Christian leadership and biblical leadership and and I have many of those questions written out in front of me I'm going to try to hit them as I go through this of course our audience is very large and very broad getting larger and broader and I love that that's fine uh, I'm hearing of uh, go to get my hair cut and I hear of people that are listening to the podcast and I drive across the country on business and I meet people listening to the podcast and go to different church fellowships and lots of people are listening to the podcast had um, some some Mormons uh, asking me questions the other day about the podcast had some Baptists the other day asking me about the podcast Uh, had some old schoolmates of mine write in questions about the podcast so I love it but there's no doubt that we we have an original target audience we're going to try to stick with a lot of times Uh, millennials and especially millennial young ministers and this question probably targets them a lot. I've got lots of young uh, preacher friends, a lot of young ministers, young married 
couples that are ministering now, many that came out of Ozark Bible Institute, some that came out of Free Gospel Bible Institute, some that uh, came out of uh, Brother Clendenin's School of Christ from different places. And uh, they're probably the ones I interact with the most, which I love because it makes me feel young because they're all about half my age. Um, a lot of them are asking about leadership abilities and skills and clarification. And so I'm targeting a lot of those questions to a lot of those people in this particular podcast. I hope it helps everybody in some way, shape or form. This is podcast number 20, the next podcast number 20. Uh, sponsored by HMA Ministries and Rustic Furniture Saving Place. And it's about comments on Christian leadership. Comments on Christian leadership. This is is, is a, a, a quick and, and possibly very weak attempt to scratch the surface of what the Bible teaches about Christian leadership. But I want to take take us some places here and try to maybe not a really really deep look at it but maybe a, a at least a well-rounded look at it there is a side of christian leadership in which god selects calls and equips his chosen leaders there is also the the practical side of christian leadership where where the leaders must prioritize their time and put forth personal efforts to learn specific leadership skills. And these are these are the two main sides as far as I'm concerned. And either one alone doesn't always get us where we're trying to get to. I know people that just say, hey, you know, we just wait for God to call you. Just wait for God to speak speak to you and then and then just get up there and, and let her fly and let God speak through you. And we all have some horror stories from from just that side of it but there's also the side that that the elders and and church leaders current church leaders are are struggling with and and i kind of agree with them to an extent whereas people just think they can just just educate themselves to the point that they'd be good good christian leaders and if they're not good christian leaders yet it's just because they're not fully educated yet and uh I don't believe that. I believe God calls people. I believe God calls people. And if, if you're not really called, I, I, I think you can do some good, but I think you'll struggle to be a phenomenal Christian leader if you weren't called by God and the Spirit of God to be a leader. But once you're called, I think it is very weak, very lame, very dangerous to not prior to prioritize your time, your life, to not put forth personal effort and learn skills, reading the books and finding the books and, and, and getting around the kind of people and going to the places and the seminars and surrounding yourself by mentors and, and putting all the skills together that God put in you, which could have a lot to do with why he called you, but it really needs to be developed by man. I'd like to try to paint a picture this evening of how the two sides work together. First, I want to start with some leadership definitions. Um, I want to define Christian leadership, and I want to give you some of my favorite definitions. Here's one. Leadership is what gives an organization its vision and its ability to translate 
that vision into reality. Leadership is what gives an organization its vision and its ability to translate that vision into reality. Here's another one. Leadership is the discipline of deliberately exerting special influence within a group to move it towards goals of beneficial permanence that fulfills the group's real needs. A lot of big words for especially for people that don't read a lot every day. Leadership is the discipline of deliberately exerting special influence with a group to move it towards goals of beneficial permanence that fulfills the group's real needs. You can go back and re-listen to that and break that down. That's an amazing definition. Here's some more. Leadership is a process of influence. I love that. Leadership is a process of influence. Anytime you seek to influence the thinking, the behavior, or the development of people in their personal or, or professional or ministry lives, you're, you're taking on the role of leader. As soon as you begin to seek to influence people's thinking, behavior, development, then you're taking on a role of their leader. It can be wonderfully, wonderfully fulfilling and it can be terribly dangerous to take on the role of influence in the thinking, behavior, abilities, development, skills of other human beings. Here's another great definition. Leadership is the art of getting things done through people. Oh, I love that. Leadership is the art of getting things done through people. The art of Combining ideas and people and things and time and faith to achieve predetermined objectives. That word combining teaches us that there are right combinations and wrong combinations of who can lead and who should lead and who will follow and who won't follow along with the the subtle refining of time, ability, personality, faith, physical objects, Leadership is the art of getting things done through people by combining all of these different things to accomplish a predetermined objective. Uh, Last definition, maybe. Leadership is influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation for specific short-term accomplishments while not undermining the people that you are leading or undermining the long-term goals of the mission. I'm going to read that again and pay attention to what is short-term and what is long-term and what the purpose of the leadership is. Leadership is influencing people by providing purpose, direction, and motivation for specific short-term accomplishments while not undermining the people that you're leading or undermining the long-term goals of the whole mission. Man, that's... I could just probably teach on each one of those definitions for 30, 45 minutes. Um, but we're, we're moving on here. I want to boil down the definitions just a little bit and then and get to some illustrations. Boiling down the definitions, from this information of these definitions, we can pull together some common elements of Christian leadership. The Bible uh, teaching about leadership 
involves a leader and a group of people. The leader exercises the ability to identify mutually beneficial goals and creates an environment and an effective method that motivates and channels the group to achieve those common goals. In the Bible, the leader's job, uh, once the, the common goals and the common benefits are defined, the leader's job is to create the environment and the effective method that would motivate and channel the group to achieve the common goals, the group that he's leading. So here are four important factors of leadership. We need a leader, we need a group, we need a goal, and we need a method to the goal. Now, I know a lot, that sounds so kindergarten and basic and simple, but the reason I use those four is because I could take you to, I could name you, rattle off the top of my head, dozens and dozens of groups that believe they have leaders or, or, or people that think they are leaders that are missing at least one, if not two, or even three of these important factors. The four important factors of leadership is we need a leader, we need a group, we need a goal, and we need a method to get to that goal. I know lots of leaders of groups without goals and without methods to get to the goals. I know lots of leaders and groups that have goals but have no clear method to get to the goal. The uniqueness of Christian leadership as opposed to all other forms of leadership is that the entire process of Christian leadership happens or is supposed to happen within the will, the plan, the priorities, and the purpose of Almighty God as revealed in the Bible specifically and is grounded and operates under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All Christian leadership, all Christian leadership has a process that the entire process happens within the will, the plan, the priorities, and the purpose of Almighty God. And all of it is revealed in the Bible. And all of it is grounded and operates under the Lordship of Christ Jesus. It is from this source that Christian leaders must derive their qualifications, their objectives, their principles, and their methodologies. Any qualification, objective, principle, or methodology of your leadership that isn't specifically derived from the Bible, from the perfect plan and will of God. It may still be leadership, it may still be an objective, it may still be a good sound principle, but if it isn't derived from the Bible and from the perfect plan of God in you, if you're using it for Christian leadership, then you're, you're, you're wrong. That's not Christian leadership. It may be leadership, but it's not Christian leadership. It may be moral leadership. It may be church leadership, but it's not real Christian leadership by definition. In contrast, many of the, quote, great leaders, powerful leaders, or really good at leading leaders, Throughout history, Stalin, Hitler, Jim Jones, the guy that had them all drink the Kool-Aid, and they all died. Many of them have led very effectively. They were very effective leaders, but they were obviously not Christian leaders because their, their objectives, 
their principles and their methods were not supported by the will of God. There's a lot of that in church. There's a lot of leadership in church that isn't directly supported by the Bible and the perfect plan of God. Even though it does get accomplished because it's accomplished by people that are following great leaders. People that really promote their objective and and really got a way of putting their methods together and causing people to do those methods. Even Jim Jones was using the Bible. Even Jim Jones was naming the name of Christ. Even Jim Jones was a great leader with tremendous charisma and and very powerful influence, very dictatorial only when necessary and very um, very charismatic in his ways, very easy to follow, very well versed in scripture, um, had a great answer to every question and a great argument and a good debater, knew how to get people connected and get the best out of each person's skill set, but wasn't a true Christian leader because his principles, his objectives, his methods were not supported by the will of God. Let me give you a illustration uh, of God and we'll look at an illustration of Christian leaders, then we'll look at an il- illustration of the group or the followers, and then we'll look at an illustration of the goal, and then we'll f- finish up by looking at an illustration of Christian methodology. First, let's look at God. According to the biblical teaching about the nature of Christian leadership, the book of Genesis reveals these basic leadership factors that we're talking about already. After he created the heavens and the earth, the leader, God, mapped out to the team the other members of the Trinity, his goal and his method. God proposed... And I quote, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That's Genesis 1 and 22. Further, quote again, God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. Genesis 1 and 28. Here is the person God and the group, the people that he's creating, and the goal, creation management, repopulation, and the method, people managing the environment and populating the earth by giving them the tools to do so. And the leader God was the one that gave them the tools to do so. Can you see other elements of leadership in these passages just barely into the book of Genesis? Can you see vision? God's vision in starting this little bitty thing that nobody would have ever been able to dream and thought that would become this multi-billion dollar, (laughs) multi-billion person population on on the earth. Can you see other leadership skills in these passages like purpose and planning and action and communication? The Father communicating to, to Jesus and the, the Holy Ghost and, 
and eventually communicating uh, the rules and the consequences to to Adam. Can you see one of the best Christian leadership skills right here? Problem solving. And another tremendous leadership skill, delegation. Let's, let's break leadership down a little more. Let's go to the next step here. Christian leaders. The biblical teaching about the nature of Christian leadership indicates that leaders are special people with special positions and a sacred purpose. Leaders are people with special, excuse me, leaders are special people with special positions and a sacred purpose. They are special because we are called by God and not appointed by men. They are specific because the Bible plainly lays out the positions of the teachers, the preachers, the pastors, the deacons, the evangelists, etc., etc. It is sacred because we are only called to fill such duties as it already pertains to the will of God and not any other non-sacred purpose are we specifically called and ordained for. We are citizens of heaven, according to Philippians 3 and 20, who are um, ambassadors of God, sent into the world hostile to Jesus Christ, according to 1 Peter 2 and 9 and 10 and 2 Corinthians 5 and 20. That means we have a particular worldview, particular motivation, particular purpose, and very particular allegiance. The Apostle Paul taught that whatever we do, we are to do it all to the glory of God. In some ways, Christian leadership can apply to any Christian because we, we have all been given a task with resources and abilities to accomplish God's will for our life and for His program. We all have a sphere of influence. I do, you do, we all do. However, the biblical teaching about the nature of Christian leadership teaches that every Christian has also been given a spiritual gift or a special ability to carry out their little part of God's whole plan. And leadership is one of those gifts that certain people are given. According to Romans 12 and 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, these are leadership gifts. Let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhorting, still leadership skills and gifts given. Now it goes into some different skills, some different gifts that aren't necessarily specific to leadership. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth, with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now here's a couple of gifts, the gift to give and the gift to be merciful that have very specific methods on how they're supposed to be done because they're gifts from God. They're not leadership. They're just gifts to get more things done than just the specifics of leadership. You can give 
But according to these passages, if you don't give with simplicity, you're not following the proper method to God's plan. You can have mercy, but if you don't have mercy with cheerfulness, you're not following the methodology that God put forth to use that skill to master his plan. You ever had somebody forgive you grudgingly? (laughs) That's mercy without cheerfulness. That's not the method that's going to accomplish the plan of God. So we have God. We have the leader. Now we need to look at the group. The biblical teaching about the nature of Christian leadership explains many of our responsibility to other Christians. That would be our group, our group that we're leading. However, at at least as often as it explains about the responsibility to other Christians, it also explains about the responsibility to the rest of God's creatures, not just Christians, other people, even, even animals, even the earth. So we have our group, the Christians, and we have his group, everyone and everything. God's original charge given to Adam and Eve still applies to us. With the opportunities and resources he grants and the stations of life he allots to each of us, we are to be careful caretakers of his creation and champions of human life and propagation. That involves working with all people in the world in all kinds of activities that glorify God and fosters the betterment of God's humanity. Please don't try to show me an example of Christian leadership that is only about their thing, their work, their flock, their idea, their mission, their ministry, their church, their calling. Christian leadership is leadership to everything that's God's, not everything that's mine. Now we have the goal, the Great Commission. That's the goal. I can't be any simpler than that. The goal is the Great Commission. In addition to the original mandate given to humanity, the Bible teaches about Christian leadership. Uh, The Bible teaching about Christian leadership carries a narrow focus. 2 Corinthians 5 and 18, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. For then, verse 20, We are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Five times in three verses, he uses reconciled, reconciliation. The ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. Truthfully, the Great Commission is the commission of reconciliation. The Great Commission is going to the whole world to reconcile them to God. So, 
we have the God, we have the leaders, we have the group, and now we have the goal. The goal is reconciliation. Christian leadership highlights eternal matters over the temporal things of this world, according to 2 Corinthians 4 and 18. We do what we can to make this life better, I understand, but in the final analysis, what good is it if we, for example, cure a person's cancer, yet their soul still slips into eternal hell? We, we feed their hungry stomach, yet they still remain with no other hope, the, the wretched sinner that they were. If we help them get a better job or, or, or be more accepted amongst their peers, and yet they still don't receive the gospel good news. Even as church leaders, what if we teach them to be a better local body and look good and sound good and get along well and perform well together and and be a better choir and have a better Sunday school presentation and back the preacher better and all of these things, yet, yet we still fall short of teaching, inspiring, equipping, and leading, our calling, leading them into deeper depths in personal relationships with Christ. Jesus asked the same question, Mark 8 and 36, What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We need to convince non-church-going people that they need reconciliation to God or they'll go to hell. That they need, what we're really trying to teach them is they, they need a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Please do not miss the fact that, that I it's no no light bulb came on in me. I'm repeating what's been said a million times over and over and over again for the last hundreds of years, but do not let it fall short from your hearing and your understanding that you can go to church and be the best possible type of church member that that church typifies a church member to be and not have the right one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus Christ to keep you out of hell. Last one, the Christian methodology. We know about the God, we know about the leaders, we know about the group, we know about the goal. But remember, by definition, the goal has to have, the right goal has to have the right method. The biblical teaching about Christian leadership portrays a very unique method. As you and I walk through life, we actively spread God's values through our good example, persuasion, and influence. Jesus called that being the salt of the earth and the light of the world in Matthew chapter 5. Christian leadership also calls for a servant approach. We need to be shining the light and, and, and being the salt and spreading the word and, and all of that. Please don't be like, like some have. There's a few that still in two, 2020 have still narrowed that down that the whole light of the gospel and shining it into the community is basically, you know, hopefully a woman is noticed in Walmart for having really, really, really long hair or something like that. And then 
we testify real big about somebody noticed how long our hair was and so God gets the glory and sometimes he really does and that does that is something that sets some apart from the world I understand or your skirt or your long sleeves or whatever that that that's definitely sets us apart some of us that believe that way from the world I'm not I'm not denying that in any way shape or form and I've I've experienced the power of that myself but there is so much more to loving them and befriending them and 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 your language and, and your care and your concern and your uh, the different person and personality that you are around them and you have to be around them for them to know that than everybody else in the world is. How much more does a Christian love? How much more does a Christian care? How much more is a Christian willing to do? How much more concern how much more empathy, how much more effort, how much more money, how much more time, how much happier about it, how much more joy do they bring? Does a Christian have? That's shining the light and being the salt. Christian leadership also calls for a servant approach. We're talking about the method. Jesus modeled the method. He modeled this approach in Matthew chapter 20 when he came to serve and not be served and he gave his life a ransom for many. That means Christian leaders cast vision and plan and they organize and they lead and and evaluate. Jesus did. Jesus did not come dictating and demanding. Jesus came casting vision and being the light and showing the plan and organizing the people and leading the people and evaluating sin and evaluating the word. This is what Christian leaders do. He did not come dictating and demanding. He came offering and teaching and living. But he came with a plan. A plan that he implemented perfectly. Christian leadership has the welfare of the people in mind. That's their motivation. Christian leaders have God's purpose in mind. That's their motivation. Too many times, and I think it's part of the problems that people are seeing and, and writing in to me about, about the problems with different leaderships is that it's so, it has become so easy and so transparent to see that many leaders, even Christian leaders, have their motivation in other places to look good, for their church to look good, to appear successful, rather than just having the motivation of the welfare of the people and the purpose of God. We're going to get a train. Hold on just a second. I love that train. I'm going to mute you guys because it's going to get real loud.
Okay, you'll hear it off in the distance there now. Two reasons why I love it. Number one, it stops and backs up all the traffic in front of our furniture store that we use to generate money for our family and our missions and our ministries. And so uh, it's free advertising. But the other reason, uh, uh, that's that's the, the business reason, the, the ministry reason, it, besides the fact that the more furniture we sell, the more ministries we, we can support. But besides that, it the, the tracks right there, there's double railroad tracks right beside my office, probably 50 feet to the east of where I'm sitting right now. And plus seeing the trains, hearing the trains, my grandchildren play around up here all day, every day, and uh, every day, all day, all the days that they're around, which is a lot. And they, they get so excited to see the train. And the train always reminds me of, of a thought process that came from a sermon that I preached many, many years ago. Some of you may heard it, may remember it. Uh, what happened the day Jesus stepped off on the wrong side of the tracks? <laughs> and uh, it reminds me that we're in the right place for the right reason. We didn't go build uptown. We're not in the mall. We're, we're right here. Downtown, hardcore fairly rough streets Sepulpa Tulsa Creek County still touching the people's lives had had a lady that's either possessed or 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 mentally unstable uh, walk right in front of the window right below the window of my office late last night and just swear and fight and foam at thin air and went down there tried to catch her didn't catch her this time but it, it, that train reminds me who we are and what we're doing. Okay, I, I got way off track there. See what I did? Track? Anyway. Um, Christian leadership has welfare of the people and God's purpose as its motivation. And when, when leadership doesn't have welfare of the people and God's purpose as its motivation... A lot of times it's very transparent. Now, there's a couple of different things that can happen there, a couple of different tracks you can get off on. Um, number one is I know a lot of people that as soon as they think or perceive something wrong in leadership, they blame that on the leader, say, well, he's just trying to pump himself up. He's just trying to use us. He's just trying to... But I've seen that work out where the people didn't really know what all was going on and they missed some things and then later on it all worked out and then they could hindsight they could see that the leader really had everybody and God's best interests in mind and they just you know there's, there's a reason why the leader's the leader there's a reason why the pastor's called to be the pastor and the preacher's called to be the preacher and on and on and on and and dad's dad and the boss is the boss because everybody doesn't have that same skill set yet so I'd be careful trying to blame too much on them. But also, I know some really, really slick church leaders that I've met around the country and around the world in the last couple of decades that I've, I've been able to see from the back end how they're doing things very selfishly and, and very intentionally for their own power and purpose. And they're so smooth that the people just eat it up and think that it's all about God. And, and so it, it's hard to determine all of that. So don't try to figure all that out on your own every time. But, but the fact is, and, and God knows, and God will work it out. But the fact and the truth is, if a leader has the people's welfare and God's purpose as its motivation, God's going to bless that. It's going to work. If the people doesn't have if, if the leader doesn't have the people's welfare and God's purpose for their motivation, eventually that's going to fall. 
it's our job to pray for them all and pray that it's the right kind and that it works out. In our local state and federal government, we're supposed to see the same concept in the term public servant. The opposite of which is to selfishly accumulate for the leader's benefit or his or her own own ideas of the goal. But that's not what I'm teaching. We need to know that that is there. We need to know that's a concern. But I'm not teaching that if, if we know somebody that's like that, if we find somebody that's like that, how we're going to fix them, how we're going to take them down, how we're going to change them. I'm reaching, like I started this podcast with, for that millennial ministry group, those 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, 27, 29, 30, 35 year olds that are just now coming into preaching, just now coming into missionary work, just now coming into evangelizing, just now coming into pastoral duties. And I'm teaching you how to do it right. Because teaching a generation how to do it right going forward is going to be far, far, far more effective than trying to go backwards and try to fix and figure out who and which and which is and which ain't and the majority's not, but some of them are. And that's not our problem, people. A lot of you are writing that in like like you're going to write to me about who's doing it wrong and I'm going to come fix that or whatever. That is, that's not what we're doing. That's never what we're going to try to do. We're going to work on you and me and everyone that we can influence. And we're going to be as right as we can possibly be by the help of God. Here's a summary of my thoughts into this podcast. Almost over. Before we get another train. A great Christian leader constantly develops the balance between not being overly dictatorial and not being passive-aggressive. I'm going to read that again. A great Christian leader constantly develops the balance between not being overly dictatorial and not being passive-aggressive. The body of Christ does not need pushed around, and we know there's a lot of that. But neither do they need just a bunch of religious subtle hints, and we're seeing more and more and more of that. What the Christian body needs is led. They don't need pushed, and they don't need hints. They need lead. They need someone that has God and God's purpose in mind, that is called and works at studying and learning to polish their skills of leadership specifically to a particular group and they will teach and develop and polish the goal which we know exactly what it is the goal of the Great Commission the goal of reconciliation and they will use Christian methodology biblical ways Christ-like ways ways specifically developed out of the wholeness of the New Testament to lead. To lead. Not to whip, not to jump on, not to push around, 
not the trick, not the hint, not to sit back and wait and see and just take the money. We need godly Christian leaders that lead. Mighty God in heaven, I love you and I praise you and I thank you. I have two prayers before I close this podcast tonight, God. Prayer number one, God, please help me. God, please help me. Never once really have I considered myself a Christian leader. But I'm the leader of the Sloggett family of Christians. There's no doubt about that. I'm the founder and the president of HMA Ministries that has uh, 60 ministry groups and, and 750 actual ministries in 17 states and five countries. I, I have to admit that that's a Christian leader. I have this voice in social media and podcasts and blogs and writings and books and preaching and evangelizing. So there's Christian leadership involved there. And I, I studied this directly out of your Bible. And I, I found the way it exactly looks like it's supposed to work scripturally. And I, I apply that to myself and I, I don't measure up as good as I want to by any means. Help me do better, lead better, portray Christ more, be more biblical, be more accurate, be a better leader, be show more light and salt, have more love and compassion and, and work ethic and all of these things. God, please help me. And the second part of my prayer tonight before I go home and enjoy and rest at my house with my family and eat supper and begin to get my mind prepared for tomorrow services. Please help these that are listening. It still blows my mind, the audience that you've created so quickly. And I always wonder who's listening and who isn't. And I picture faces and names and places and I'm probably wrong every time. But somebody's listening. Somebody wrote these questions. All these hundreds and thousands of people that the computer says have listened to these, these teachings, God, they're all individual people. They're souls. Most of them are Christians. Save the ones that aren't. Use all of them to be the best possible leader they can be. Whether it's leading one person, two people, five people, a hundred people, a thousand people. Let me say, do, and live something in a way that would affect as many lives as possible, that would cause as many people to miss hell and make heaven. Whether I know about it, find out about it, I don't want any credit for it. I just want it to happen, and I just want to make it to heaven and them all be there. I love you, God, for the opportunity. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. God bless each and every one of you. Love to hear from you. Please support all of the different HMA ministries and things that you can to keep us afloat, keep us doing what we're doing, reaching, the, loving the least and the last and the lost. Do something in your life, in your marriage, in your home, in your church, in your community that reflects and glorifies Christ. Until next time, God bless.